Amen. Amen, amen. Grab your Bibles, grab your Bibles, remain standing, turn with me to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter number 3, we're going to jump back into the series we've been preaching through the book of 1 Peter. I am so glad to be saved. How about y'all? I'm glad those songs that we sing, they're not just a hope, they're not just a theory, they're not just a fairy tale, they're a reality. He is our God, He will go before us and He will meet our needs. Amen. 1 Peter chapter number 3, 1 Peter chapter number 3, uh, we, have, we have been dealing with our roles and responsibilities as a Christian, our roles and responsibilities as a Christian. As a Christian, we are citizens. As a Christian, uh, uh, we are employers and employees. We dealt with that a couple weeks ago. And, and understanding that the, the, the roles we play in life, in society, uh, when we become a Christian, we are different than everybody else's. Are y'all with me? We're different. We, we've got to be different. We have to be different. Well, he, first he dealt with our role as a citizen. Say that with me. Our role as a citizen. Our role as a citizen. Then we talked about our role as an employer or employee in the workforce, in the workplace, how we should respond, how we should act, how we should behave. Now, if you've noticed, both of these situations have to deal with being submissive and, and obedient to authority and respecting authority. Well, we are going right now into the, the role that we play in the home, in the home. You see, God, in, He designed three institutions, the church, the home, and human government. He designed the home first in the Garden of Eden in, in the book of Genesis, but all three of these operate with a line of authority, with a, with a, a line of leadership, with, with uh, uh, something that God has designed to keep things from being chaotic and chaos. God is a God of order. Say that with me. God is a God of order. order. He likes things done decency, d- decently and in order. So he has an order for the government. He has an order for the church. He has an order for the home. Well, we're going to talk about that today. Uh, now, uh, there's, there's, basically, there's basically three elements in the home. Uh, the wife, the husband, and the children. And there's so much to be said about all three of these. I, w- I didn't want to throw them all in one because we'd never cover it all. And so we're going to break them down. We're going to break them down, and we're going to talk about the wives first. It's the very first verse. It comes first there. That's why you're going first. Don't uh, get upset about that. It's first in lines. Amen. Uh, then we're going to cover the husbands next week, and Lord's willing, we're going to cover children, young people. Do you realize God has expectations for young people? Listen, isn't it amazing, isn't it amazing that Jesus, you know, he's our example, right? He came to live the life to show us how to live it. Well, he even did it at 12 years old. So we've got an example for that, too. That's just great. That's wonderful. But now, here's what I want to do. Here's what I want to do, and this is, this is my aim uh, to help us understand our roles and responsibilities. But this is, this is what we have to do in this manner. It, you can't say, yeah, but, because it won't work. We have an epidemic in our country where we always want to blame somebody else for our behavior. And there's one thing we've got to understand. When we get to heaven, we'll never be able to say, Lord, I would have acted this way, but my husband would, wouldn't act right. Or, or, or I would have been more loving and I'd have been showing more leadership, but my, my wife wouldn't. Uh, no, God's going to say, what did you do with the command that I gave you? Are y'all with me? So let's take the truth that we receive and say, where does it apply to me? What do I need to change? Because I'm not going to stand before God for anybody else's roles and responsibility but my own. Now, I would encourage, I would encourage the men... Uh, uh, to behave in the service today because you're going you're gonna to want to elbow and you're going to want to snicker and you're going to want to do all that. But just keep in mind, next week is your week. Uh, so you will reap what you sow. Say amen, ladies. Isn't it amazing we got we to gotta throw out these, these, just lay it out here because this is such a controversial topic. And it shouldn't be a controversial topic. 
There's nothing controversial about it. There's, a, there's an order that God designed and an order that God laid out, but our culture and our world has distorted it and has totally destroyed the role of the husband and the role of the wife, and they want to mix them and switch them to nobody knows what they are. They don't even know what bathroom to go to now. And I'm not being facetious with that. I'm trying to tell you uh, the, the culture is saying uh, a family doesn't need a, a father figure. Or, or a mother. You can have two fathers. You can have two mothers. No, they don't. God in his infinite design created a father with stuff and a mother with stuff and the child needs both of them. So let's learn our roles. Let's learn our responsibilities and, and be what God has called us to be. Amen, church? Let's look in, 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 in 1 Peter chapter number 3 in verse number 1. Are you there? Likewise. Likewise. Now, now, if you remember, when we study these, these books of the Bible, the chapters and verses are placed there for easier study. And this is a continual reading from chapter number 2. In chapter number 2, he speaks to the employees and he speaks to the citizens, and then he gives the illustrations of Jesus and how Jesus was submissive and how Jesus was humble and how Jesus submitted himself to who he was so that we could be. When he was done wrong, he didn't, return, he didn't retaliate. When he was spoken bad against, he didn't speak back. Are y'all with me? Now, here's the word, likewise. In other words, the responsibilities we have is being more like Jesus. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, in other words, they're unsaved, they're unbelievers, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. Now, what does that mean? That means you can win your husband without nagging him. It says with your behavior, with your conversation, and the word conversation means your behavior, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning, let it not be the outward adorning of plating the hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on an apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. For after this manner, in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God. Ladies, I would encourage you to underline that phrase right there. Who trusted in God, adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as ye do well and are not afraid with any amazement. Father, help me today. Help me to teach. Lord, help us to grow. Help us to learn. Help us to see something today that we've never seen before. I pray that you'll help us understand our roles and our responsibilities. And God, what you have called us to do and called us to be. I pray that your perfect will be done. And God, will thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. <clears throat> I want to I read just a, a, a little piece of information that I, I thought was very interesting because we always have this, we always, it's that who goes first mentality. You know, I'll, I'll behave if she'll behave, or, or, or I'll do what God wants me to do if, if he'll act like God wants him to act. And, and there's this vicious cycle that never ends. If a wife, if a wife parcels out her respect on some sort of reward system basis, the husband has nothing for which to strive. As the respect diminishes, so too does his motivation to behave respectfully. Respect is welded like a ransom against him, and he grows more isolated and distant all the while. They both swirl in circles around the drain. He fails, she gives him no respect. Then he continues to fail because he feels disrespected, and she continues to give him no respect because he continues to fail, and so on and so on and so on, all the way to the divorce attorney. Now, what does that mean? We, cannot, we can't wait for someone else to be what God has called them to be. We have to be what God has called us to be, regardless of who that other person is. In, in the, the same picture you see with the citizens, you remember, it says submit to the authority, the government, whether they're good or bad. 
We are, to, we are to be obedient. Listen, it's same with the, the employer, employee. He says, even if you're being done wrong, even if you're being treat, mistreated as an employee, you do right, you show respect, you submit to the authority there, and God will honor you. You see the picture here? It doesn't matter what the other person is doing. Do what I've called you to do. Now watch. Let me, let me say this too. I want to I help us all uh, get this, because even our men need to hear this. Uh, before I go into the, the, the verses in, in detail, I, I want to I try to say what submission isn't. Because everybody's got an idea. Everybody's got an idea in their head what is submission. What is biblical submission? Well, sometimes you can define submission by saying what it's not. And it's easier to say what it's not than what it is. Now, I know there's been people, there's been ladies that's been mistreated by people and, and by religious people. I grew up in a movement that was very, uh, very stringent, very legalistic. They interpreted the Bible in, in ways that benefited themselves, and they were, they were brutal, and uh, uh, to a point that they used Scripture to try to beat someone down. Well, let me tell you something. Jesus was never that way. And, and, and here's, here's what submission is not, all right? As you can remember this, submission, number one, is not agreeing on everything. Submission doesn't mean you agree on everything. And the verse proves it because he says you have a husband who is an unbeliever. You see, you've got a, a saved wife and an unbelieving husband. They don't agree on Jesus. They don't agree on religion. They have two different opinions on this matter. So what is he saying here? You don't have to agree on everything to be submissive. Husbands, if she has a different idea than you, that doesn't mean she's being disrespectful or unsubmissive. Are y'all with me? Listen, that's not submission. It doesn't mean you have to agree on everything because that's, that's impossible. That's not even reality, amen? Number two, submission, does not, uh, submission is not agreeing on everything. And then number two, submission does not mean leaving your brain at the altar. In other words, when you, you come to the altar to get married, when you say, I do, uh, I, I, I've heard this phrase, uh, I do the thinking in this house. Why, you're stupid. Do you, are you that ignorant? Number one, you're ignorant of the Bible. Well, we're going, we're going to talk about the helpmeet in a minute, the reason and the purpose that God made Eve for Adam. And if you think that you've got it all together, you ain't. Are y'all with me? She is a helpmeet. Everything you don't have, God gave her. And ladies, everything you don't have, God gave him. Are y'all with me? Submission does not mean leaving your brain at the altar. Number three, submission does not mean you do not try to influence your husband. I've heard people say, quit trying to change your husband. I don't, I don't completely agree with that. Because in this, in, in, and I'm staying with the chapter, I'm staying with the chapter. What does the Bible say? What is Peter teaching here? He says, if you will, if you will, honor and respect your husband if you basically saying if you'll behave in front of him you'll be able to win him in other words the purpose is to win him to christ that's influence that's trying to change if you've got a wicked and unbelieving husband you should want to change him you should want him to be saved you should want him to know christ now i understand the point i understand some of the point of what they're saying by quit trying to change your husband there's some things that uh, that, that comes out of manipulation and not influence so i understand that part but how many of y'all understand what i'm saying in this matter we can influence each other we need to influence each other for the good but i'm afraid sometimes a lot of people use manipulation instead of influence to get our own way and that's selfish and that shouldn't be done amen all right, submission does not mean you, try, you do not try to influence your husband. Number four, submission is not putting the will of the husband before the will of Christ. Submission does not mean you're putting the will of the husband before the will of Christ. What does that mean? Here we have a responsibility, a biblical responsibility, that if our spouse wants to do something that's against Scripture, we cannot do that. In other words, if your husband says, all right, we're going to go rob a bank, you're going to say, whoa, which I hope you'd say that anyway. But the point is, is that's wicked. And Christ would not be pleased with that. 
What did you remember in the book of Acts when they commanded them, do not preach in this name anymore, do not preach in the name of Christ, and they said we should obey God rather than man. Does that make sense? The will of your husband does not come before the will of Christ. God is first. Amen? Now, uh, uh, number, number five. Submission does not mean getting all of her spiritual strength through her husband. I think that's self-evident. Uh, I think we, we have the opportunity and the responsibility to go to the Lord and, and for our spiritual needs and our spiritual blessing. Uh, number six. This is really important. Number six. Submission does not mean living or acting in fear. If you are afraid of the one that you are living with, something is terribly wrong. It does not mean cowering in fear around that other person. That's not biblical submission at all. Matter of fact, if that is the case, you really need to get some counseling because there is something desperately wrong in that situation, in that relationship. Now, does everybody understand what I'm saying when I say what submission is not? Does that make sense? Amen. Let's talk about this, these verses now. I want to give you three things real quickly, and then I want to give you some practical, just, just some practical things that, that, that can help you with your husband and, and maybe even a challenge if you're up to it. <clears throat> Ladies, are you up to it? Oh, that was weak. <clears throat> that was weak. Ladies, are you up to it? All right, all right, yeah, we're excited, aren't we? Amen. (laughs) Number one, number one, write this down. I want you to see in this verse a historical expectation. A historical expectation. I use the word historical on purpose because this is not a new thing. This order that God has laid out, it is biblical. It is from the very beginning of time. And I'll show you what I mean. In Ephesians chapter 5, well, let's look in in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands. Then it says in verse 2, while they behold your chaste conversation, that means your behavior coupled with fear. Now, the word fear there literally means reverence. It means respect. He says you should respect your husband. Humility or, or, or submission to me I put in my notes in, in, in big letters, submission equals respect. Submission equals respect. God wants you to respect your husband. Do you realize that the responsibility God gave you completely corresponds to the primary need of your spouse? The primary and the greatest need of a husband is respect. The primary and greatest need of a wife is love. Guess what God told the wife to do? to submit and respect her husband, guess what God told the husband to do? Love and honor and cherish your wife. Isn't that amazing? See, that's how God wired us. God did this. God created this order. And before sin, it worked. It worked. Now watch. In Ephesians 5, it says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Now, what is that verse teaching us? That verse is teaching us that God is drawing a picture to the world of of his plan of salvation through the marriage picture. Let me illustrate. God's highest purpose in marriage is to showcase the intimate relationship between Christ and His people. We are acting out a living parable where husbands represent Christ and wives represent the church to bring glory to God and to help our children and others around us grasp what God is like in a more concrete way. Isn't that amazing? Our marriage relationship is supposed to be a picture to the lost world and especially our children of the relationship between Christ in the church. How are we doing? You see, that's God's design. That was God's purpose. As, as a husband, we're to reflect Christ. As the, the wife, the wife is to reflect the church. Now, now watch this. Here's another verse. Colossians 3, 17. <clears throat> And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. 
Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Now, let's go back to Genesis. Let's go back to the very beginning where all this started. Now, if this is a God thing, and if this was God's idea, and this was God's plan, and God does all things well, what in the world is the problem? Because the atmosphere in here reveals there's a problem. Right? Our, our issues at home. How we get along at home. I'm, I'm going to be the first to say, I don't know where Tammy is. She's in here somewhere, but we'll stand both side by side and tell you, we got problems. And if you, if you think you don't, and if you, you, if you really don't, God bless you. That's a miracle. But most people have problems getting along sometimes. So what is the problem? Why is there a problem? Let's look. In Genesis chapter number 2, verse 18, where did all this start? We see God created everything. He created the the beasts of the field. He created the stars of the sky. He created the mountains. He created the seas. He, He just said, spoke it all into existence. And then he put all the creatures on the earth, and he created man. He saw, and he dug out of the ground, out of the dust of the ground, and he formed a body. He formed a person. He formed Adam. And then he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and Adam became a living soul. And when he did that, he's alive. He was alive, and he gave him a responsibility. He charged him with a job. He said, you shall have dominion over the earth. In other words, God said, you're going to be a leader. I want you to lead. I want you to be and have dominion over everything. And so here he is. He's taking on the job of naming all the animals, naming everything, and he's working. And see, Adam is seeing that there is a, there is a girl giraffe and there is a boy giraffe. And there is a girl cow or cow and a bull. I'm sorry, I'm getting all mixed up here. I was about to say there's a boy cow, but I don't think there's a boy cow. Y'all know what I meant. There's a boy elephant, and there's a girl elephant. Now, Adam's thinking, something's wrong. God knows there's something wrong. God said, it is not good for man to be. So watch what he did. Watch what he did. In Genesis 2, 18, he said, I will make him and help meet for him. Now watch, the word help means aid. It means aid. It means strength. In other words, a support. The word meet means counterpart. It means opposite. In other words, when you meet somebody, somebody's coming from the opposite side, from an opposite direction. And what this verse is saying is, is I'm going to make something that's the opposite of Adam. I'm going to make something, everything that Adam does not have, I'm going to put it in Eve. Everything that Eve has or doesn't have, Adam's going to have. They are going to counteract one another. What he doesn't have, she has. What she doesn't have, he has. So they work together and become what kind of flesh? One flesh. What is he saying? They need each other. She is here to compliment him. She is here. Now watch this. Here's the word, ladies. You're here to complete him, not compete with him. And men, you need to get that too. She's not here. She's not here in competition with you. She's here to complete you. She's she's here to aid you and help you and be a blessing to you. And guess what? In the very beginning, it was wonderful. It was literally paradise in paradise. They got along wonderful. Adam had no problem leading and honoring and cherishing and loving her. She had no problem submitting and and helping him and blessing him and following him. No problem whatsoever. So where's the problem? It's called sin. Sin. I, I, I... this didn't stand out to me till I really started digging into this to find out, all right, man, where'd all this go wrong? When man sinned in the garden, God cursed this world. I was mowing some grass yesterday, and, and it wasn't just grass. It was, it was briars. And I had short britches on. 
And it was them briars that like come up here and would reach out and grab you. Say amen. So I'm riding this lawnmower and them things just, I mean, just tearing me up. And I'm just, ah! And you know what? All that's the curse. God told Adam there's going to be briars. There's going to be, there's going to be worms. There's going to be bugs. There's going to be all kind of stuff. You're going to have to work by the sweat of your brow. And by the way, he had work before the curse. So work is not the curse. All right? It's the sweat of your brow and the fight. You've got to fight the land to get bread out of it. That's, that's the part of the curse. But watch what he told Eve. You see, part of her issue, there's a curse too. Now, we know about the childbearing and the issue there and the pain that goes along with that. But watch, watch what the Bible says. In Genesis 3.16, in Genesis 3.16, it says, Unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children. Can I have an amen, ladies? You know, I always thought that that stuff, when, when, when the lady's in labor and, and the husband tries to console and she says, don't touch me, I thought that was just in the movies. <clears throat> That's real. <clears throat> Amen? In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children. Now watch, here it is. This, is. this explains everything. And thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Now, to understand what he just said, you have to go to another chapter in Genesis, in chapter 4, when he's talking to Cain. Because he uses the same terminology when he's talking to Cain when he said sin lieth at the door. It's crouching like a lion. It has a desire to overtake you. It has a desire to control you. Are y'all with me? He says, but you will rule over it. Same terminology. John MacArthur, he, he, in his commentary, this is what he said. Because of sin and the curse... The man and the woman will face struggles in their relationships. Sin turned the harmonious system of God ordained roles into distasteful struggles of self-will. That's it. Sin turned all this whole design that God came up with into a struggle to get my way. Not only that, it's also turned the situation into blaming others. You remember? Adam, did you take that fruit? Hey, it was the woman you gave me. Eve, did you take that? Hey, it was that snake over there. Now watch, watch. Lifelong companions, husbands and wives, will need God's help in getting along as a result. The woman's desire will be to lord it over her husband, but the husband will rule by divine design. This interpretation of the curse is based upon the identical Hebrew words and grammar being used in chapter 4, verse 7, what I explained a while ago, to show the conflict man will have with sin as it seeks to rule him. What's the point? Ladies, there is going to be an inward desire in you to tell your husband what to do. By the curse. There's going to be an inward desire. Let me change the phrase. There's going to be an inward desire in you to really want to help him. With how he drives. With how he cleans up after himself. With how he, you fill in the blank. You see the problem? There's that desire. I just, I just, I just. But preacher, he is not doing it right. That's the curse. But God's design is for the husband to lead. But see, the curse works on him too. You see, the curse has caused us to be selfish. Men, you're going to hear this next week. God's called us to be like Christ and to die to ourself. Jesus gave up his life so we could have a life. And so the husband is to give up his life so she could have a life. But you know what the curse has done to us? It's made us selfish. 
And, and I, I, I've seen it in myself. I, when, when we were younger and married, I, all I thought about was what I wanted, what I wanted to do, where I wanted to go, what I wanted to have. And, and what's that? The curse has changed what it's supposed to be. The honor and the, and, the, and, the, and the love and the cherishing that is supposed to be that is turned into selfishness. So can we all say today, husbands and wives, we all got issues. And you see, it's because of the curse that we have to struggle. It's because of the curse. Now you say, well, then we just need to give up. No, 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 no. You don't understand. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Now, you see, there's a purpose. God gave you, ladies, God gave you to your husband as a helpmeet. God gave you to compliment him. God gave you to complete him. God gave you as a blessing to him. So where's the problem? It's in the curse. There's an inward desire to tell him what to do. To, 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 to manipulate and change. And if we're not careful, we do it and we don't even realize we're doing it. Men, we can be selfish and we don't even realize we're doing it. Amen? Aren't we having fun? <clears throat> Look, number two, number two. He goes to describe an honorable expression. Now, remember, this is historical. This is not the preacher's idea. I didn't write this Bible. I'm, I'm glad I didn't. I just have a responsibility to preach it. And by the way, I don't care what year it is, it's still right. Historically, God designed this whole thing. Now, watch what he says about her expression. Look what it says in verse number 3. Whose adorning, let it not be the outward adorning of plating the hair and of wearing of gold or putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit which is in the sight of God of great price. Now, there are groups of religious people who've taken these two verses and have completely outlawed makeup and jewelry and that type of stuff. They totally missed it. They totally do not understand what Peter was trying to say here. He is referring to an inner beauty that's trying to be substituted with an outer beauty. In other words, what he's saying is your beauty should not be bought at the store. He's not outlawing jewelry. He's not outlawing stuff. I mean, most people think you've got to walk around and look homely, and that means you're godly. That's not what he's saying. You see, in the Roman culture, there, the, the ladies would get together, and they would actually put gold and lace gold all up in their hair. And the bigger and the more uh, the outlandish, and they tried to impress people by what they put on. And they tried to express beauty by the outward. And you know what Peter said? That's corruptible. That'll fade away. Your garments will wear out. Listen, we get old. He said all of that will go away. You're depending on something that is temporary. And what God says, it needs to be the inner man. It needs to be the inside. Do you know what? You can put a $1,000 dress on and still be ugly. And I don't mean the outward appearance either. I've seen movie stars walk across a red carpet and they had more money wrapped around them than you could ever imagine, but their character was completely hideous. And God is saying, let the beauty come from within because that cannot be corrupted. I have seen people who didn't have hardly two dimes to rub together and their clothes was borrowed or patched up and put together and they walked through the door and you could see their beauty radiating from themselves. And that's what he's saying. Listen, I wrote three things down here. <clears throat> it was an inward beauty. It was an eternal beauty. It said the inward beauty, the hidden man of the heart coming from the inside. The eternal beauty, that which is not corruptible. But watch this. It's a valued beauty. It is in the sight of God of great price. Listen, her beauty. I want to I I say this. I'm, I'm actually doing these backwards. I, I, I'm, 
I want to come back to behavior. So we're going to do B first, then we're going to do A. But I, w- I want you to see something. And, and let me say this. There, there's times I preach up here, and, and y'all hear stuff I don't say. <clears throat> so don't walk out of here saying I said something I didn't say. And this is going to be one of them times. So hear what I say. Are y'all with me? Watch how the Bible describes a, a woman who God values greatly. Watch. It says in verse number 4, it says, But let it be the hidden man of the heart, in that which is not corruptible. Even the ornament, the word ornament means a decoration, a decoration of a... <laughs> All four of us like that, don't we? Watch this. Even the ornament, the decoration of a... Everybody say that again. Now watch that. Now you see that image that God has put out there? Now watch this one. Watch this one. In Proverbs chapter number 7, Proverbs chapter number 7, the proverb, the writer is describing a harlot and someone who walks the street and and tries to seduce people. Watch how she's described. It says in Proverbs 7, verse 10, And behold, there met him a woman with the attire of a harlot, and subtle of heart, very deceptive. Verse 11, She is... Say it again. You see the difference? Now, now here's, here's what I want you not to do. Don't go out and tell all of Coleman that the preacher said if you're loud and stubborn that you're acting like a harlot. Because I am not saying that. What I'm saying, there is a description given by God of what He sees very valuable. And there is a description of a person you don't want to be, and she is described as being loud and stubborn. Now you take it however you want to take it. It's all up to you because a mind changed against his will, the same opinion still. Y'all all grown people. But I just read the Bible. And I'm telling you, there is something special. There is something valuable about a woman whose beauty comes from the inside. Now, I don't care if your dress costs $4,000, just as long as the inside matches the outside. Are y'all with me? There is a beauty that God said is there, but it doesn't come from the inside, or excuse me, the outside. It comes from the inside. Now look at the behavior. He is saying you have a power and you have an influence to influence your lost husband. You have a lost husband. And you know what he says? You don't have to drag him to church. It says he may without the word be one. You don't have to drag him to church. You don't have to put a preaching CD every time he gets in the car. You don't have to nag on him and tell him how much of a hoodlum he is for not going to church. Matter of fact, that's going to make it worse. Now, let me prove it. Look what it says. It says in verse 1, If you have a husband that's not saved, it says they also, without the word, will be won by the... Say it again. That means behavior. Not the preaching. Not the nagging. Not the aggravating, the behavior of the wise. Now, what kind of behavior? He gives that to us. He tells us what kind of behavior in verse number 2. He says, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. Chaste means pure. Chaste means pure. Fear here is talking about respect. Respect. In other words... When your husband, now, now every husband will probably say amen, probably won't right now, but they would say amen to this. When a husband feels disrespected, he feels unloved. Because that's the way we're wired. In other words, in other words I, can, I can have, you, you can tell your husband how much you love him and care for him all you want, but you disrespect him. 
and he doesn't feel it. We have love languages. Man, that's a great book every, every couple should read, The Five Love Languages. It's incredible. I'm going to write one. The main language, respect. Because it's huge. It's big time. There's a lot of people who respect me. They do, and I don't mean that arrogantly. As a matter of fact, it scares me to death. I don't, I don't. People call for my advice all the time. And they respect me highly and greatly. Little kids come up and, and I've had them call me Jesus. Because they see and they associate church with God and, and he's the one speaking for Jesus. And, and so their little minds, and man, that makes my knees tremble. Because that is a great responsibility. But I promise you, every bi- I can have the greatest, utmost respect for every single human being in this building. And if my wife doesn't respect me, I feel like a failure. Because she's the only one that matters to me. It's that important. He said, your chaste behavior coupled with fear. What's he saying? You need to respect your husband. Now, let me, let me give you some ideas of what disrespect is. Because I know sometimes, well, I don't know, I'm not disrespecting him. Here's some, here's some and a matter of fact, ladies, this is from a, this is from a, a women's website that has interviewed tons of men, and this is, this is some of the things they said when they felt disrespected. Asking him to do something, then doing it yourself without giving him a chance. Body language is huge, especially frowning, rolling the eyes. Lack of attention or appreciation. Too much help. Criticism. Interruptions. Not really listening. Asking why when paired with why do you do it like that? Or rolling the eyes and why would you do it that way when there's an easier way to go? Asking a question starting with why is automatically saying what, did you, what you did is wrong. It should have been done this other way. Always putting uh, herself first and having the family fit into her plans and schedule. Second guessing, lack of confidence. Being too busy to spend time with him. Complaining. Speaking negatively of him to others in front of others. That's huge, ladies. Please don't do that. Answering for him when someone asks him a question. Telling him what to do. Undermining his authority as a father. Telling the children they don't have to do what he asked them to do. Disagreeing with his parents or his parenting in front of the children. Insinuating even slightly that he doesn't make enough money to satisfy you. Not accepting his answer, continuing to question him. Automatically assuming we were going to call someone for repair. The, the gentleman that put this one said, let me decide and let me handle it. Telling me to go speak to someone or tell someone goodbye at a social function. Asking, are you sure? After I have given a co- confident yes, do you know what you're doing? Withholding sex from him without or out of spider's manipulation. Cussing, yelling, name calling, arguing. Lack of acknowledgement of hard work providing for the family. Man, that's big, ladies. If, if, if he's helping, and, and I know in the, in the world we live in, there's two of them are working there. There should be a great mutual affirmation on both ends of that. Arguing, lack of acknowledgement, failure to share or, or to say you're a good dad. A couple more. Speaking poorly about me, even in a joking way to others. Correcting me when I am telling stories. Making light of something that I think is important. Here's, here's a big one. Refusing or avoiding or qualifying your apology when your husband calls you on any of these disrespectful behaviors. It doesn't take very many times of hearing, I'm sorry I said that, but you know you... Well, I, I, I'm sorry I acted that way, but you... It don't work. Keeping your finances separate from the family finances. Giving him your input for an important decision, choice of a church, choice of a house, and then rejecting all the choices he comes up with, even if they meet all stated criteria and nothing else does. Generally treat sex with him as a chore or an imposition or if you're just doing him a favor. Joking with another woman at my expense in front of me. Making me feel that I am less of a man because I don't look as attractive as I did years ago. Making comments about my lack of ability to remember. Doubting what I say until it's affirmed by someone else. Ladies, don't make him have to get five co-signers and, a, and a, an expert. 
receive what he says. All right? Thinking that I'm not smart enough to know when she's lying to me. Treating me like a child and can't take care of myself. Taking credit for things that I did. Changing the channel when I'm watching something. Ordering me around like I'm her personal assistant. Now, these are things that were sent into a website. Your man is maybe totally different than any of these. Totally different. He may not have an issue with none of these. But I promise you this, you need to figure out what makes your man feel disrespected and help him with that. Now, there's, no, there's no blueprint. Now, there's several of these. There's several of these that, that, that you know, are just universal. But there are others that are a pattern to individual behavior. That's why we have to know who we're living with. Say amen right there. Be careful of criticizing your spouse in front of other people. If you want to make him feel like Superman and walk that high off the ground, brag on him in front of other people. If you want to belittle him and make him feel like a worm, criticize him in front of other people. It, it, it all goes together. And what, what Peter is saying here is we need to live and, uh, and show respect. Now, let me finish this because I'm about out of time. I know what you're thinking. But he acts so disrespectful. He does so many stupid things. But if I, if I do that, then he's going to... How am I supposed to respect him? You see, I think Peter knew we'd have an issue there. And we would have a question like that. So right after that, he gave an example of someone who did it. He gave an example of Sarah. Watch this. And I'm hurrying. I'm hurrying. I know y'all are about to swallow your tongue right here. But guys, I promise you, watch this right here. This is, this is what's going to help us. Look in verse number 6. Verse number 6. <clears throat> Even as Sarah... Well, let me go back to verse 5. For after this manner, in the old time, the holy women also, who trusted in God, adorned themselves, being in subjection to their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. Lord. Now... I know what you're thinking. Yeah, but that was Father Abraham. How many of y'all understand that Abraham was a weasel? If you go study, you'll find out that Abraham, there is a time when he comes into a certain place and his wife was hot. She is good looking. And he was afraid that the people there would kill him to take her. So he looks at Sarah and says, tell him you're my sister. Wives, how would you like that? That's a jerk. He completely did not do his side of the deal. He completely acted disrespectful. But she still submitted to him and obeyed him and honored him and respected him, even though he was a jerk. Now, I know what you're saying. I'm not Sarah. How did Sarah do that? Verse 5. Look at verse 5. Look at verse 5. For after this manner, in the old time, the holy women also... Read the next four words. All the ladies in the house, read the next four words. You see, Sarah's trust was not in Abraham. Sarah's trust was in the Lord. Now, do you remember with the employer-employee and you remember with the citizen that God said we are not to retaliate, we are not to bring back revenge, we are not to do that? Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Now, let me, let me, let me apply that and let me, let me describe that. Ladies, that means God can slap him harder than you. Your trust is not in the one you're living with. Your trust is in the one who saved you. You don't have to be afraid by submitting to him because God put him over you and God will hold him accountable and God will deal with him. We have a responsibility to do what God has called us to do. And I'm telling you, if you want to destroy your marriage, the greatest way you can do that is disrespect your husband. You can buy him anything you want to buy him. You can, you can be whatever you want, but I'm telling you, when you disrespect your husband, he feels greatly 
unloved. It is soul-crushing. Let's honor them. Let's honor them. We need to do everything we can, because I'm telling you, when, when, the, when the divorce rate is the same in the church as it is the world, there is a major problem. And let me say, ladies, none of this is going to come natural. None of this is, because we live in a cursed world and a cursed society. But with God, all things are possible. I've got a, I've got a little challenge for you. I wrote out saying, now I've got this off the same website, so if you don't like it, be mad at the lady that wrote it. <clears throat> this is just, a, and, and guys, and guys, this is not up to you, because you're going to get one next week. But you can't make, and, and ladies, next week, you can't make your husband do this. This has got to be somebody that wants to do this on their own. Here's the challenge. Some of these were written down. Some of these, and the question is, do I, and, and you just check off. Well, here's the challenge. This is what she put. I dare you to give this list to your husband with an envelope. Tell him you are trying to grow as a wife and a mom and in your relationship with God. Tell him you are looking for specific things to ask God to help you with and, your need, and you need his help. Ask him to just put a check by each one you do frequently. Put the list back in the envelope. Put it back on the dresser. Promise him you won't talk to him about it later at all, but that you need information by tomorrow morning. If you don't have enough guts to do it with him, Dare you to give the list to one of your kids, preferably your oldest male, and have him check the marks and put the list on the dresser. And then, keep your word, not even one word to him about the list. Take it to God, ask him to reveal to you when you are doing these things, ask him to help you stop. This stuff is beyond self-control. You remember the curse. It says, and is the work of the Holy Spirit, and then she put at the bottom, dare you. These, these, these uh, dares are on, at, at, I think, every one of the, the invite tables. If you want to, stop by and pick one up, and I challenge you to do that. I'm going to challenge all the men. Matter of fact, I'm going to be harder on the men than I am y'all because we have to take the lead. We have to take the lead. Men have to take the lead. Men traditionally have dropped the ball when it comes to the spiritual and the responsibility we have. So, guys, let's make it happen. Ladies, it's there, and, and, and the only way this works, the only way this works is if they fill it out, you can't come back. Well, you check this one, but you, that don't work. You see, today, we work on me. Work on me. How can I change? Ladies, have you figured out that you can't change your husband yet? Have y'all figured that out? Men, have you figured out you can't change your wife? The only one we can change is us. And all God's people say it. Let's stand to our feet. Everyone stand. We're going to sing a verse of invitation. <clears throat> Sarah said she trusted in the Lord. The only way I can be what God wants me to be is to trust in God and need His help. Father, I pray that you will help me to be selfless.